Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be going through my top waiver wire targets going into week 11 of the NFL season. So in this video, I go through five players at each position. While you guys are watching this, if you're enjoying the content, please do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And then you guys can ask me any fantasy questions down below in the comment section. These aren't in any specific order. And the players that I'm looking through are people who are available in 50% or more leagues. And I'm using the ESPN Fantasy Football Waiver Wire to get those ownership percentages. But let's get right into the running back position where I'm going to start it off with Devonta Freeman, owned in 43.8% of leagues. The last four weeks, he's averaging 12.3 points per game. And I think he's definitely a viable flex play for as long as Latavius Murray is out. You know, he could be back next week. We just don't know. He is dealing with a high ankle sprain, but Freeman has been a really solid running back with him out of the lineup. There's just much less of a committee there. And I do think he can bounce back from that poor Thursday night football game if he remains the clear cut starter. The next running back is going to be Ramadre Stevenson, owned in 9.9% of leagues. And with Harris out, he had 20 carries, 100 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then also added four receptions. I do expect Damian Harris to be back. You know, he probably should be clearing concussion protocol for week 11, but I don't think that means Ramondre Stevenson is going to be totally phased out of the offense. He's been seeing touches the last few weeks, even with Damian Harris there. So he may not be startable, but he's obviously proven to be a very solid handcuff because this Patriots run attack has been fantastic as of late. The next player is going to be Deontay Foreman from the Tennessee Titans, owned in only 1.5% of leagues. And this Titans backfield has been very disappointing, probably to say the least so far with Derrick Henry out. Really just shows how valuable he is to that team. But Foreman did lead this team with 11 carries here in week 10. This definitely seems like a full-blown committee with Foreman, Peterson, and McNichols. But if there's one player who could potentially break out as the RB1 on this team, right now it does look like Foreman has the best opportunity. Then it's going to be Alexander Madison, owned in 40.8% of leagues. And really, I have him in basically every single video because if you are a Delvin Cook owner, really in like 8-team league, 10-team league, 12-team league, or larger, Alexander Madison should be on your team if he is available on waivers because you're not going to find handcuffs like Madison all over the place. There are very few running back rooms where if you know a top-tier RB goes down, there's one clear player who's going to come in and take basically that entire workload. Alexander Madison is one of those guys. And if you have Delvin Cook, you just need Alexander Madison as that safety blanket in case something happens to Delvin Cook. And then the last running backs on here, it's going to be a combo of Eagles guys, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, both owned in around 35 to 37% of leagues. It is very possible that Miles Sanders is able to return for week 11. And if Sanders is back, both of these guys basically lose all of their value. But if Miles Sanders is unable to return this week, then I do think both of them are potential flex options. You know, you probably don't love them in your flex in like 12 team leagues, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you have some players on buy. Now let's shift over to the wide receiver position. And I'm going to start it off with my guy, Rashad Bateman, owned in 32.5% of leagues. I love this guy coming out of college and he really had his best game of the season on Thursday night football. In a game where the Ravens did not play well, Rashad Bateman still recorded six receptions for 80 yards. 
That's double digit points in the last three games. And once the Ravens passing attack can kind of get back on track, I do think Rashad Bateman can continue this solid start to his rookie season. Then the next guy up is actually another rookie, Elijah Moore, owned in 36.3% of leagues. And he has been putting up double digit points in four straight weeks. And he has been targeted at least six times in every one of those games. This wide receiver room definitely gets a little bit crowded with Corey Davis back. And I do think Corey Davis is the wide receiver one, but kind of my philosophy for rookie wide receivers is that I don't love drafting them, you know, before the season, just because the range of outcomes is so variant and they tend to struggle early in the season. But if they do start to break out, especially the guys on waivers, then I kind of capitalize on that. So you can see that here with Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore, once they kind of show flashes of being solid options, then that's kind of when I snag them and pick them up off of waivers. But now let's shift over to Van Jefferson, who is owned in 36.2% of leagues. He does have a week 11 buy, so you may be able to wait, you know, to pick him up. He was basically looking dead in the water for fantasy purposes after the Odell Beckham trade. You know, you're looking at that wide receiver room, Cup, Woods, OBJ, Van Jefferson, clear odd man out. But then we find out that Robert Woods has torn his ACL. Obviously terrible news for Robert Woods, but for Van Jefferson, this definitely makes him much more fantasy relevant because I don't think there's any guarantee that OBJ is able to come in and match Robert Woods' production. So I actually think Van Jefferson could see a role increase with OBJ coming in because, I mean, it's basically a direct trade of OBJ for Robert Woods, and we just don't know what we're going to be getting out of Odell Beckham. So if Van Jefferson can see even a little bit more work, he's kind of an intriguing option to be picking up. Now let's shift to Jamal Agnew, who is owned in 8.1% of leagues. And basically, Jamal Agnew is the guy that we wanted and kind of thought LaVisca Chenault was going to be. He saw his first solid game in week five. Basically, first four weeks of the season, he was completely uninvolved. Then in week five through week 10, that's a five-game stretch. He's averaged 12 points per game, averaging seven targets per game. And they also just like to use him creatively, screen passes, jet sweeps. They just want to get the ball in his hands. So he's definitely a guy to be looking at for the future. And then the last two wide receivers here on the same team, Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard. Toney is owned in 44.3% of leagues. Shepard is owned in exactly 50% of leagues. So literally just qualified to make this video. And when healthy for Kadarius Toney, his ceiling is very high. We saw what he did in week five, 10 receptions for 189 yards. Even though that wide receiver core was completely shot, you still have to have some talent to be able to put up those numbers. The way I kind of look at it is for wide receivers, targets are earned, not given. For running backs, touches can be given. They don't necessarily have to be earned. But for wide receivers, you have to get open. You have to beat your matchup, the cornerback, to receive the ball. And Kadarius Toney can obviously do that. He's also very explosive after the catch. So Sterling Shepard has been dealing with injuries. Galladay's been dealing with injuries. Slayton's been dealing with injuries. So if any of those guys are out, I do think Tony could potentially see a big role. And then the other side with Sterling Shepard, when he has been healthy, he has been the clear-cut wide receiver one for this team. He has played three full games. I believe he's played in five total games, but he is left with injury in two of them. In the three full games, week one, 24.3 PPR points. Week two, 17.5. And then week six, 17.6. It kind of seems like Sterling Shepard is going to be the guy 
who potentially could have had a really massive season if he just stayed healthy, but it may just not come together because of his health issues. So we'll really just have to wait and see. But if Sterling Shepard comes back, he's going to be good to go. I totally think he is worth a pickup for fantasy. Now let's move over to the QB position where I'm going to start it off with Justin Fields, owned in 18.5% of leagues. And he had his best fantasy game in week eight, where he actually rushed for over 100 yards. Then he followed that up with a really solid week nine performance. I'm guessing a lot of you guys remember that game. You probably watched it against the Steelers. Bears really kind of got screwed at the end with penalties. But Justin Fields kind of overshadowed because he played very, very well. Was actually PFF's highest graded quarterback. You know, you may not trust PFF, but I still think that shows he was a really solid asset in that game. Now let's shift over to Cam Newton, who really showed out this week, owned in 12.4% of leagues. And in a very limited sample, Cam balled out two total touchdowns, both in the first quarter, one on the ground, and the other through the air. I think that Cam is going to take over as the quarterback one very soon. I think they went with Walker this week just because they didn't think they had enough time to get Cam Newton caught up in this system. But they bring him in for like, what, $10 million, I think is the max he can earn. That's not really a contract you give to someone who's going to be the QB2. And then once Darnold gets back, he's the QB3. I think he is going to be the starter within the next few weeks. And he is a viable quarterback start if he is the QB1 for this team. People kind of forget, 2020, you may look at the overall stats and his play. He was not good, but that doesn't really matter for fantasy. He averaged 17.3 points per game with probably the worst wide receiver core in the NFL. I mean, that Patriots group was so bad. They had no relevant tight ends. You know, their pass catchers still aren't great this season, and they've brought in Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. None of those guys were there. It was slim pickings, but Cam Newton is still a threat to run. He is a major red zone threat by the goal line. We literally saw that today. They bring him in when they're in the red zone and Cam and Newton capitalized. So he's definitely someone who may be an intriguing pickup. The next QB is going to be Tua, owned in 36.1% of leagues. And he played really well in relief for Jacoby Brissett on Thursday Night Football. The whole situation was weird. Tua had missed a game with a finger injury. Then, you know, he wasn't starting, but he was the backup. Then Brissett goes down. They let Tua play. He plays really well. You know, why wasn't he starting to begin with? Whatever, I would expect him to play and be the starter in week 11 based on his performance at the end of that game. He obviously was good enough to play. And honestly, when he's healthy, he really hasn't been the worst fantasy football start. So definitely a potential plug-in in deeper leagues. Then it's Daniel Jones next, owned in 32.5% of leagues. And he's definitely had a pretty rough recent stretch. I still believe that he could be a solid fantasy option when all of his weapons are healthy. We just really don't know when that's going to be. And then the final quarterback here kind of gets rough when we're in this area. I went with Jimmy G, owned in 8.5% of leagues. We obviously don't know how he is going to play tonight on Monday Night Football. May not be well against that Rams defense, but he ends up going against the Jaguars in week 11, which could be a really solid option. And in the last few weeks, he really hasn't been that terrible. So maybe a potential streaming option. Now let's move over to the tight end position where I have my guy, Pat Fryermuth here owned in 46.3% of leagues. You know, he didn't put together a massive game. It was fairly underwhelming, but he still saw nine targets in that Steelers-Lions game. That overall game was just horrendous to watch. 
I mean, the overtime period was just, you know, figuring out who wanted to lose the game more. And he did basically have a game losing fumble. They were trying to get it to him, get out of bounds so they can kick the game winning field goal. He coughs it up. It ends in a tie. But once Big Ben is back from COVID, I think Pat Fryermuth will continue his recent stretch of some really nice performances. The next tight end, he's on here every single week along with Fryermuth. It's Dan Arnold, owned in 26.1% of leagues, and he has put up double-digit points the last three weeks. And during that stretch, he's had at least seven targets and 60 receiving yards. So totally a viable start at the tight end position. Another guy who's kind of entering that area is Tyler Conklin, owned in just under 40% of leagues. A really solid plug-in option if your tight end is on by or just a solid start if you're in deeper leagues. He finally saw his touchdown luck turn around. You know, he had one touchdown through the first nine weeks of the season, which really just did not line up with the amount of times he was targeted. But then he gets into the end zone twice on Sunday, which gives him a really nice overall game. Then we kind of get into a little bit of a rough area with the waiver wire tight ends. I ended up going with Gerald Everett and Cole Komet. Everett is owned in 3.4% of leagues. And really, he was the only standout Seahawks offensive player. Eight receptions for 64 yards. I don't think it's super sustainable, but definitely something to keep your eye on. And then Cole Komet had a really nice week nine performance. Six receptions for 87 yards. And he could be a potential, you know, fill in play if Fields continues to play well. And now the final position, the defenses. This is actually looking like a really nice week to be streaming those defenses. The first one I'm gonna talk about is the Titans, owned in 43.9% of leagues, and they are facing off against the Texans. Just a great, great matchup for that defense. Then it's gonna be the 49ers, owned in 49.2% of leagues. I'm gonna guess they were dropped, you know, in a lot of different leagues because they are going up against the Rams. Will they travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars? That offense has definitely been struggling. So a great matchup there. Then another really nice matchup, Dolphins owned in 15.5% of leagues. Also were dropped a lot because they were facing off against the Ravens. They end up playing great against the Ravens. And now they get to go up against the Jets, which is obviously really nice for that defense. Then we have the Panthers owned in 48.1% of leagues taking on Washington. And then the last defense, the Eagles, who have played fairly well as of late, owned in 10.2% of leagues, going up against the Saints. The Saints overall are a fairly solid team, but that offense is not scary at all. They're going to be winning through their defense. But that is going to wrap it up for my top waiver wire targets. If you guys enjoy the content, you know what to do. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, comment any questions, comments down below in the comment section. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.